Today on Awaken to Grace, I'm in John chapter 11, and I want to talk to you about what it means to go through difficult things in life. Often we think of God delivering us before something bad happens. But in this case of Lazarus being raised from the dead, Jesus waited until he had been dead for four days. And oddly enough, the Bible says it was because Jesus loved him. And it was so that God would be glorified. Well, today I want to show you how in circumstances of your life, when God delays, when God waits, when God doesn't seem to come through on what we think should be the time, it might be that God is delaying, one, because he loves us, two, because God's going to get his great and ultimate glory out of you and your circumstance in life. I'm so glad you're listening today to Awakened Radio. Today we're in John 11. Today we're talking about great expectation. We've been in this series, and I want to share with you very personally what God has done in my heart and my faith over the last uh, several weeks. So, um, so a lot's happening right now. A lot, you know, it just feels like a time for me personally where there's a lot at stake, and you know, there's a lot of focus going on, and, and a lot of prayer focus. And so the Lord has had us in this series focused on reaching out, talking about the neighborhood, talking about people around us. And today's the conclusion of that. And our three-part series has been week one, the great invitation. Ooh, I almost forgot. <laughs> the great invitation. That was out of Luke chapter 14. Jesus receives the invitation to this big dinner and as you know, if you listen to that sermon, they planted a man with edema and Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath and then said, when you host a dinner, don't invite your rich friends, your rich relatives, those who can repay you, your rich neighbors, but invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. And we taught that what Jesus was teaching is, one, we are to look outside of our sphere of friends. We are to look outside of the people that are on the same stature as us or the same social class as us or those who are less fortunate than what we are. We are to look for those people. But in a deeper way, we're talking spiritually. And if we are people of God that we gather every week and, and we, we feast on the word of God together and we're in Bible studies together and small groups together and we're just always feasting on the word of God. We are to be looking outside of our circles and those with edema, those with dropsy who are drowning in their own sin, those who are poor, lame, crippled, blind, those who cannot help themselves, those who are poor spiritually, and we are to invite them into the gospel. That was week one. Week two, we talked about the great anticipation. What is the great anticipation? Oh, that is, we went to Mark chapter 2 and we saw the four friends who were so desperate to get their, their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus that when they, Mark said, when they came to the house where Jesus was, there was such a large crowd, you couldn't even get near the door. And they went up on the roof and they removed a section of the roof and they lowered their friend down. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven, be healed. 
And what a great time that was preaching and explaining the word of God last week. Well, today we come to the conclusion and we're calling today the great expectation. And we're going to see the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And we're going to see some principles today. We're going to see some, we're going to see some life change principles that I pray have a great impact on us. So as I'm getting ready for this sermon and I'm getting ready for this conclusion, I had no idea what God was setting up for Awaken to Grace. I'm just being honest with you and I'm being transparent with you. I feel a world of weight on my shoulders because I know where God's leading and I believe what God is leading to is far greater than even uh, our ability to take finances off the table, even just our ability. And I feel like, I feel as though God is, is doing, I feel, I tell you what I feel like, I feel like uh, a caterpillar in a cocoon. You ever felt that way in life? You're just, oof, you're just, you know what I'm talking about? And there's transformation taking place. And God is working a plan. And so Saturday night, early, well, really Saturday morning, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever it is, I'm lying in bed and I'm praying fervently and I'm saying, God, you know our needs. And the last few weeks I've talked about those needs and I don't like doing that. We've created this music album and Lord, I'm doing everything that I know to do. And God, you know the need and I need your help. And would you, and I'm just pressing in in prayer. And I'm saying, God, would you let this breakfast be what it's supposed to be? And would you help me in this? And would you help me in that? And all of a sudden, now remember today we're talking about great expectation. And it's like all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just quiets me. God ever interrupted you in praying? It's a weird thing when God interrupts your praying. (laughs) And it's like the Holy Spirit just said, Chad, stop, stop, stop. You've prayed, I've heard, it's done. Now rest, go back to sleep. So, which I didn't go back to sleep. I kept on thinking and talking. (laughs) It's an odd thing when the Lord interrupts your praying. And he says, quit, you've prayed, it's done. Now rest. Andrew Murray of the 1800s used to say, God is much like our bed. In him, we can lay down and rest. Are you resting in the promises of God today? Are you resting in the faithfulness of the Lord today? Are you resting in his word? Are you resting in the Holy Spirit? You're resting on God's track record? Are you resting on God's faithfulness today? And so I felt in my spirit like the Lord just said, you're done. You know, sometimes there is a great line between praying and staying persistent. And I think there's a a truth to that. There's an element of truth to being persistent in prayer. But there's also, also an element of saying, I've prayed and God's heard it and it's done. Uh, you know, today, think about this. If, 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 if Pastor Phil invited me to lunch and and uh, I went to lunch with Phil, but I, did, I, I, I left my, my money. I didn't have my wallet. How would Phil react if I said, oh, Pastor Phil, I'm so sorry. 
I would love to eat, but I, have, I don't have any money. Well, what would Phil say? Chad, don't worry, I've got it. I know because he's done it before. <laughs> but, if I, but, if I, but what if I persisted? And what if I kept saying, Phil, I, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. I don't have any money. He would say, Chad, it's fine. Don't worry. And then a few minutes later, you know, we're on our way to the restaurant. I say, Phil, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't have any money. He would say, Chad, calm down. It's fine. I've got it. And how would it react if our food came and I, and I said, Phil, I don't even know if I can enjoy this because I don't have the money for it. I'm so sorry. Well, but finally he would say, Chad, stop, rest, enjoy. I have it. And that's almost what I felt like the Lord did with me the other morning. Chad, quit. You don't need to ask me again. It's done. Amen? So let me tell you what happened. I'm trying to finish out October, November, and December. And that's what I'm trying to finish. October, November, and December. And my prayer was that God would eliminate a month with this breakfast. And I was asking the Lord for $700. And I was so thrilled. We had $765 come in. The Lord answered the prayer. Amen? But yeah, we thank the Lord for that. But watch this. So a friend of mine who doesn't go here, he couldn't come and he contacts me and he said, Chad, the Lord's put it on my heart to help you. Can I send you a check? And I said, sure. I mean, that'd be a blessing if that's what the Lord wants you to do. Friday, I get a check for $1,000 from him. Amen? That burden. Well, hang on, because I'm not done. What did the Lord do? The Lord said, rest. The Lord said, it's done. So then, uh, another, a, a wonderful pastor here in our city contacted me and said, Chad, we want to help you. This is another church. And they said, well, we, we want to do something for you. I didn't tell them how much was needed. I didn't tell them what the need was. They didn't ask. They just said, we want to do something. So we do the breakfast Saturday morning, and I'm thanking the Lord, and I'm just so rejo- I mean, $765 come in, and that just, oh, I'm just rejoicing and thanking the Lord. I go to the mailbox Saturday after the breakfast. This wonderful church in our city sends $2,500 to Awaken to Grace. Amen. And listen, listen, we're talking about expectation today. And listen, here's what I didn't know. When I was lying in bed, pleading with the Lord, God, you know the need. God, will you help me? God, will you help me? God, do you know what I didn't know? The check had already been cut. Amen. It had already been stamped and sealed. The mail carrier already had it in their possession. And here I was praying and asking God, and God said, Chad, quit. It's done. Rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And then I get to church this morning, and another family comes up and gives $1,000 to awaken to grace. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, I, I don't know about you, but I'm going, God, what is going on? Let me tell you, God answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. And let, me t- and let me tell you something, because I realize, I realize, listen, hear my heart. Say amen if you're listening right now. Hear my heart. I know there are some people listening 
And let me tell you, this has nothing to do with money. Because there's some people listening, you can't pay a bill. And you don't know how you're going to buy groceries. And you don't know how you're going to pay your electricity. And don't you for a second think, well, gosh, if, if I had the faith that Chad had, or if I was a preacher like him, or if I was as close to God as he is, those things would happen for me. Let me tell you something. It has nothing to do with money. What I'm going to teach you today, and listen, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with God being glorified in what he wants out of your life. And let me tell you, if you're listening today and you go, gosh, I wish somebody would give me $1,000. I wish things like that would happen in my life. Let me tell you something. God is as eager to glorify himself in your life as he is in my life. Amen? And God is as eager to pay your bills as he is my bills. God is eager to come through for you like he comes through for me. Why? Because he wants to be glorified out of your life and out of my life. So don't think for a second that this is about money. Let me tell you, just as much as I'm rejoicing over these really big gifts. Let me tell you, there was a family uh, week before last who gave $48 to Awaken to Grace. I rejoiced over that. I thanked God over that. Do you think it matters to God if it's $48 or $2,500? No. It's faith. It's obedience. When Michael came up here and prayed, boy, it blessed my heart and my prayer while he was praying. God bless the obedience. Bless the obedience. And let me tell you, when we obey and we step out in faith and we just take God at his word, it glorifies him. Amen? And the Lord told me Saturday morning, lying in bed, after he told me to quit, <laughs> let me tell you what the Lord told me, and I believe this with all my heart. The Lord said, Chad, I'm getting ready to set you in front of doors that no man can open and no man can shut. Amen. So please, as I give my testimony and I glorify God this morning, please don't reduce it down to dollars because it's not about dollars. It's about faith. Amen. It's about obedience to God's glory. So God is teaching me right now a great deal about expectation. And let me share with you a couple of things briefly today that God's teaching me out of John chapter 11. Now, now, what strikes me in our story, <laughs> what strikes me is that no one believed that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. Let me tell you why I think that is. Now, now we're going to trace it this morning. So the disciples didn't believe that Jesus would raise him from the dead. The uh, Martha the sister of Lazarus didn't believe that. When Jesus said, do you believe? She said, yes, I believe that he'll be raised at the resurrection of the just, yes, on the last day. And Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe? And then she said, yes, I do believe. But at first, she, what did she say to Jesus? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary didn't seem to believe it. When Jesus said, roll the stone away from the tomb, Mary said, but Lord, by now there's an odor. 
The Jews who were gathered that day, they didn't believe it. And as a matter of fact, John is so detailed in his record here that he even states that a man says who was in the crowd that day at the tomb as Jesus is getting ready to pray, right before he prays, the man says, if Jesus could open the eyes of a blind man, how could he not have prevented Lazarus' death? And it seemed as though everyone and even the devout followers like Martha and like Mary and like the disciples, everyone believed Jesus up to a point, but only to a point. And I'm wondering if when we look at our faith today and we look at our expectation level today and what we believe that God is able to do in our life today, do we believe God up to a point? And as I said, there's some of you listening today that you don't know how you're going to get groceries and you don't know how your electricity is going to be paid and you don't know how your mortgage is going to go through and you don't know how your car is going to keep going. And there's all these issues. And and listen, and listen, I want you to hear my heart today because let me tell you, I know, I know what it is. I'm telling you right now, I know what it is to have more month than you have money. I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But listen, friends, there must come a point in our life where we say, if we can believe that God can eternally save our souls, how can we stop short at other things? How can we not believe he's not going to pay our bills? How can we not believe he won't heal our bodies? How can we not believe that he won't come through and he won't deliver and he won't rescue? If we so put faith in him, To save our eternal souls. Could it be that we're like the followers of Jesus this day? That we believe God to a certain point? So let's explore it for a moment. Jesus, John opens in verse 1 and says that there was a certain man named Lazarus with his sisters Martha and Mary and we've met them in other places of the gospel. And they lived in a village called Bethany. The text, uh, later in the text, it tells us Bethany was only two miles from Jerusalem. And, and from what we can gather, what scholars tell us, this must have been an incredibly prominent family because of the amount of Jews that came to the funeral, even out of Jerusalem. It must have been a highly prominent family. And so Jesus hears about it. Someone Uh, Mary sent someone to Jesus. They sent word to the Savior and said, please come come quick because Lazarus, whom you love, is about to die. Now, John says something remarkable. John says, because Jesus loved Lazarus, watch this. He stayed where he was two more days. Now, this makes no sense to me. He stayed where he was two more days because he loved Lazarus. Now, there's a principle here. Uh, Now, if we have any first-time guests in the audience, you may not know that I'm blind, but everyone else knows that I can't see you. So I need to know if you're with me today. Say amen if you're with me because I don't want you to miss this principle. Don't miss this great principle. It makes no sense to me that Jesus would love Lazarus, yet linger where he is for two weeks, for for two days. 
We know through other places in the Gospels, Jesus did not even have to physically be with Lazarus. He could have only spoke the word and Lazarus would have been healed. So why did Jesus not drop what he was doing and go? I remember some years ago, one of my most favorite people in the entire world was tragically taken from us. He was taken in a horrific death, and I happened to be in Chicago when our brother died. And I received the phone call about 8 or 8.30 that morning in Chicago. And I had many things I was supposed to do there, and I still had several days left. When I received the phone call that our dear brother had passed, and in such a, a difficult way. Do you know what I did? I dropped everything. I drove straight home. I only stopped to refuel and, and eat on the way, and I, I never stopped. I drove straight home, straight home. I got here as fast as I could. If Jesus loved Lazarus, then why did he stay for two more days? How many of you know there's purpose in everything God does? How many of you know there's purpose in everything that God allows? Do you believe that in your own life? Do you believe that in your own circumstance? Do you believe that in your own trials? Do you believe that in your own disappointments? Do you believe that in your own tragedies? Do you believe that in your own sorrows? Do you believe it in the things that happen in, to you in your life? There's purpose in everything that God does and everything that God allows. So if Jesus loved Lazarus, then why did he not drop everything and go straight to him? But instead, John makes note, he stayed where he was two additional days. Let me tell you what scholars tell us, and I think this is pretty fascinating. Scholars say that there was purpose in Jesus staying behind because now, think about this. Jesus has already raised two people from the dead up to this point. He raised a young girl from the dead, and he raised a young boy. On, in the, it was during the funeral procession, and Jesus touched the casket, and the boy was raised from the dead. Now, skeptics today, do you know what they'll say? They'll say, well, who knows if those people were truly dead? Who knows? It had just happened. There were no uh, medical uh, equipment that could pronounce them dead. We didn't know. Uh, perhaps they were just in a, in, in a deep cold. You know, who knows? Who, who's to say that they were truly dead? Because Jesus raised them from the dead virtually as soon as they died. But do you know what's different in the story of Lazarus? Four days, my friends. It's not pretty, and it's not exciting, and it's not really good, but you can Google what happens in death in the first 72 hours. The first 72 hours of death is the most gruesome of, of, the, of all the process. 72 hours. If you're a super weird person, just Google it. And you see, in our culture today, we don't deal with death the way that they had to. Yes, we deal with death all the time, but they didn't embalm. Someone didn't come and remove them from the home as they do in our case. When we stand at the casket of a loved one, they, in most cases, virtually look just as we know them. Not the case in their world. Death was an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. I think that's part of what Paul meant by saying one day 
we will be sown into the ground in dishonor. What's he mean by dishonor? Death is ugly. In our culture, we embalm, but you take embalming out of it? Oh, it's ugly. The first 72 hours is the most ugly experience of death. And Jesus waited four days. All of the breakdown in Lazarus' body had already happened. This is significant, friends. No one could refute this. No one could doubt this. No one could say, oh, well, this, this, no, is impossible. Four days. If Jesus loved Lazarus, then why did he wait? Let me tell you the principle, my friends. It's because Jesus says something remarkable. Jesus said, this illness does not lead to death, but leads to the glory of God. Well, guess what? Lazarus died. Was Jesus wrong? What did he mean? <laughs> Let me tell you what gets me so excited when I, when I study this. You see, Jesus doesn't see things the way you and I see them. And Jesus didn't see death the way you and I see death. As a matter of fact, God doesn't view death the way you and I do. Do you know how the Bible views death for the believer? The Bible says to live is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. The Bible says in Psalm 116, 15, precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. And the Bible doesn't say precious are only old age deaths or good deaths or clean deaths. It doesn't say precious if you die in a certain way or at a certain age. No, however a believer dies, whether it seems to be an untimely death or a horrific death or a slow, drawn out, painful death, it does not matter in the eyes of God which way we die in the sense all death of a believer is precious unto the Lord. And you know what the Lord told me when my dad died? And he suffered greatly before he died. And you know what the Lord told me? When my dad died in early 2017, the Lord said, Chad, I remember it clear as a bell. The Lord said, Chad, the last breath your dad took was the greatest day of his life. It's the greatest day. Because to be away from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the Lord told me, the Lord said, Chad, if your dad's death is precious in my eyes, the Lord said, it will become precious in yours. And guess what? The Lord was right. It's become precious in my eyes. Do I miss him? Terribly. But is it precious? Yes, because I believe what God says. And so... Jesus doesn't see things the way that we see them. And what he says to the disciples is this illness is not going to lead to death. But guess what? He died. So was Jesus wrong? No, not at all. Because what was Jesus saying? Do you know what I think Jesus is saying here? You can't tell the God of life what death is and what it's not. Because he commands it. You can't tell the king of kings. You can't tell the Lord of lords. You can't tell Elohim, the God who is the creator God, what death is or what it is not because God commands it. And so he says, this isn't going to lead to death. 
And then he tells his disciples, he says, we got to go because our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And they couldn't understand. They said, what are you talking about? If he's asleep, he's going to wake up before we get there. And Jesus had to plainly tell them, no, he's died. What's the point? Oh, there's such principles here. The disciples had no idea what God was doing. You know, when I go over this text this week, I have to stop and ask myself, are there areas of my life, areas of my faith that I have no idea what God is really up to? I have no idea what he's truly doing. I've not, I'm not cluing in. I'm not getting at what God is truly wanting to do. And am I like the disciples that God is trying to tell me something and I'm not getting it? Could it be that's the case in your life, that God is doing something, that you're, you're missing what God's truly wanting to do? You know, every Sunday, it seems I talk about blindness, and I apologize if I talk about it too much. But I have to share with you in this, in this situation that what God is allowing, did Lazarus die? Yes, he died, but it wasn't the end of the story. It wasn't the final chapter. You see what I'm saying? God was up to something. God was doing something that no one else expected. And let me tell you, when I look at what God has allowed in my own life and in my own ministry, and when I look at this blindness, let let me tell you what happened. Sadie and I went to my doctor. The last time I went to my doctor was last month, the 1st of August. And do you know what my doctor told me? And I like my doctor. He's a great guy. I like him. But do you know what my doctor told me? Are you ready for this? He said, Chad, I don't understand. You don't want to hear your doctor say that. He said, I don't get it. He said, there's no explanation for this blindness. Even when I went blind in this eye, he said, said, Chad, your A1C was a six. I don't understand. He said, do you know what I think is going on? Are, Are you ready for this? He said, Chad, I think you have some really bad luck. I think you have really bad luck. I sat there and the Holy Spirit inside me said, don't you listen to a word of that. You're right on track with glorifying me. I have you exactly where I want you. You know what the point is, church? When we go through difficulties, when we go through things that it doesn't seem like, it seems like Jesus would do the opposite of what he's allowing. Let me tell you why he does it. Because it's in our text. It's because he loves us. And because he loves us so much, let me just tell you the truth. God will have you and I go through unique experiences. And I'm going to tell you in a minute why I say unique. Unique experiences. Things that only you can walk through. Things that only he can trust you with. Things that you have to go through. Things that you must suffer. Things that you must endure. Crosses that only you can bear. Why? Because do you know what God's ultimate goal is? Do you know what God's doing in your life and in my life and what he did in Lazarus' life? Jesus said, huh, this illness doesn't lead to death. Let me tell you what it leads to. To the glory of God. 
And that is ultimately why we go through what we go through, is to glorify God in our life. And God loves us so much that he's going to give us the privilege. He's going to give us the high privilege, the opportunity to glorify God in a unique way that only you can and that only I can. Do you see what I'm saying today? And this is where Lazarus, we're talking about Lazarus even to this day. Even to this day, we're talking about him. Why? Because he had an opportunity to glorify God unlike anyone else. And let me tell you what happened. There's another chapter to this. You know, there's another chapter to Lazarus. When you flip the page and you go to chapter 12, do you know what the Bible says? Jesus comes back to Bethany sometime later. They throw him a great dinner, and great crowds come. And later on, about midway in the chapter, do you know what the Bible, you know what John literally says? Is that great crowds gathered, not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. Do you know what happens when you and I give God space to work in our life? You know what happens when we say, I am so in love with the glory of God that I'll I'll submit myself, I will yield myself, I will trust God through the process, and when God gets his ultimate glory out of your life, you know what? People begin to take notice. And you begin to attract people to Jesus exactly what Lazarus did. His life attracted people to Jesus. Are you with me? Are you following me right now? To the point that John writes that when the chief priests wanted to kill Jesus, they were so mad at Lazarus because so many people were believing in Jesus because of Lazarus, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. If I were Lazarus, I'd have been like, are you kidding me? I just did this. (laughs) I just died. (laughs) And now you want to do it again? (laughs) I don't think Lazarus ever feared death another day in his life. Ever. Ever. I know I, I heard a testimony of a man, and I take with a huge grain of salt, people who say they died and went to heaven and come back or whatever, you know, I I just, you know, maybe, I don't know, but I take it with a grain of salt. But I heard the testimony of a man that, that I believe because it bears witness with my spirit. And this man died and the Lord sent him back. And this man said, I'll never fear death again. Listen to what he said. He said, you know what it was like? He said, it was like taking off a coat. It's like taking off a coat. And you know why that bore witness with my spirit? Because you know what Paul said? We must take off this mortality to put on immortality. I don't think Lazarus ever feared death again, ever. Not another day of his life. What's the point today? The point is that God wants to do a great work in you. But you may have to go through great sorrow to see that great work done. The point is, is that God wants you to have great expectation. Martha didn't believe. Mary didn't believe. The disciples didn't believe. Why? Maybe because it had been four full 
days. Maybe that's why. Maybe you're in a similar place today where you say, I used to trust God for this, but it's been too long. If God were going to help me in that, he would have already done it. No, my friend, no. Where is your faith today? Where is your expectation level today? I want to believe that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. Let's bow our heads today. I don't know what you're facing It may be a great financial need. It may be a great health need. It may be a family need. You may be facing divorce today. Your divorce may have already been decreed. But God gave you a promise that you're going to be together. Hold to that. You say, Chad, it's been too long. Maybe not in the eyes of God. You may be going through a job loss today where you just can't seem to find the right career. Maybe you're about to give up and you say, it's been too long. Don't give up today. I don't know what you're facing. But see, I know this. Whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, is going to lead us to the glory of God. And let me tell you what I'm learning in my blindness I'm learning that I love God's glory more than I love eyesight. And I mean that with my whole heart. With my whole heart. And I'm learning as I walk this road that I I don't want to ask God to get me around things. I want to ask him to take me right through. That's what his grace is for. And today, maybe you just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need a fresh dose of grace. You know, the book of John says he'll give us grace upon grace. (laughs) And maybe that's what you need today. Maybe today you need to begin your week with new strength. Strength that only comes from the Lord. Maybe today you need your faith strengthened and built and just renewed, renewed. If there's an area of your life where you've given up and you've said, if God was, he would have already. Don't give up, my friend. If you want to come to the altar today and trust the Lord with something, an area of your life, I want to invite you right now to come and pray. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit. If you want God to glorify himself more in your life, maybe you're going through a difficulty that you've not been able to understand why God would allow it. But see, my friends, he loves you. And he's gonna glorify himself through you. He's going to attract some attention to himself through you, Lazarus. Through your testimony, Lazarus. Through your outcome. 
And maybe you're here today and the devil's told you, or maybe you're watching online and Satan's told you that this is the last chapter of the book. Well, he's a liar, my friend. It's not the last chapter. It's only a chapter. And death wasn't the last chapter for Lazarus. No, 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 no. The next chapter, we see him at a party (laughs) with Jesus. And let me tell you, God can change your circumstances in a moment, in a second. God can step in and intervene, and he can change everything. But maybe right now, you're in that waiting period where Jesus is saying, because I love him, because I love her, I'm going to wait. Will you submit to that? Will you yield yourself to the waiting, to the waiting, to the waiting? Father, as David said in the Psalms, we wait for you and we will wait all day long. Father, it is our privilege to wait. It is our privilege to be patient. It is our privilege to trust deeply. It's our privilege. And like the small child who demands his way, quiet us, Lord. Quiet us. Quiet us. Quiet us. Mature our faith. Mature us. To where we don't demand, we simply trust. God, I give you glory for all of your abilities. The same God who has met my need of awakened to grace is the same God who heals disease, the same God who heals divorce, the same God that raises from the dead, the same God that provides all good things, the same God that buys our groceries, the same God that gives us our health, the same God who gives us all of our needs. Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Oh, I thank you. Oh, I thank you, God. Oh, I thank you. I thank you with all my heart. Thank you. Now, Lord, as we close out our focus on the neighborhood, remind us evermore, it's not us. It wasn't Lazarus that attracted people. It was the work of God done in Lazarus and what will attract people to you through our lives is the grace of God the working of God in our life thank you Jesus
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just, I pray, I'm asking you, Lord, the rest of this month, all of October, will you just increase our praying, Lord? Increase our praying. Increase our faith. Increase our trust. Increase it to the glory of God. You know, I feel the Holy Spirit telling me, and I'm just going to share this because I feel the Holy Spirit telling me. Some of you listening who have great needs and, and you're just wishing so bad this morning. I wish God would meet my needs. I, I'm just, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's telling me, pray, turn your TV off, turn it off, turn your phone off and Pray. Pray, real prayer, not microwaved prayers, not 30 second here and there. I mean, get on your knees, get along with the almighty and pray and pray, pray. Lord, I give you glory for all you've done today. I give you glory for what you've done in our hearts. I give you glory for this text and what it speaks to us. I thank you, God, that your love is so great for us that you will bring difficult things into our life only to strengthen us and to glorify yourself. So God, today, we thank you for the hard times and we thank you for the difficulties so that we can watch you move and we can see you work. Thank you, Lord. I pray that your people are blessed this week and I pray that our needs are met in a way that appoints people's eyes to Jesus.